the game is over, but we're just getting started. You're listening to The Fifth Quarter, presented by Twitch on the Raiders Podcast Network. Well, your Las Vegas Raiders are back at 500 with a record of 6-6. Six and six. Eddie Pascal with Jason Fitz back in the virtual beat lab as we welcome you to the fifth quarter. And Fitz, I got to be honest with you, I don't feel great right now. The energy is low, the vibrations, the energy, all of the cosmic beings, they're not going my way right now. Can you make me feel better or are we just going to have to ride this wave together, brother? Yeah, no, no, I'm not going to make you feel any better. I'm Excellent. not, but but I'm going to give you sort of a reminder because I was sitting down before we started the show right after the game, trying to think of when I've ever experienced Now I'm going to take everything off the field, and let's just talk about on the field. I don't know that I've ever seen a Raiders team in my entire lifetime of fandom that one week looked so good and the next week looked so bad. This is by far the least predictable team that I've ever lived through. But I did live through one year this reminds me a lot of, and it was the last eight and eight year for John Gruden before everything really blew up. And, you know, we forget in the first iteration of John Gruden that in that last eight and eight year, there were rumblings that, you know, the Raiders weren't going to be happy. Gruden was just an eight and eight coach. And then all of a sudden things click and the run starts that we all remember. Well, that year was full of a bunch of games that I always describe as how the hell did that happen? Like the number of times that you sat there walking away from a game saying, how the hell did we lose that football game? That's what that year felt like. And today feels like one of those where you look at it and you're like, man, everything was there. There were so many moments. This game at the end of the year, when we're looking back at the whole season, if the Raiders don't make the playoffs, I believe it's this game that will sit in everybody's craw the wrong way out of all of the losses that have come this year because there were so many moments that could have turned this game around, so many moments that could have won the game, and so many big players that just couldn't make the play that was there to be made. A literal moment at the end of the game, and I don't want to. I don't want to kind of pile on poor Trayvon Merrick, but he has a chance at the end of the game in that two-minute drill, and when the when the Washington football team is going down the field, and he has a chance to win the football game. Unfortunately, he doesn't make the play. You got to chalk that up to hey, this is a rookie playing in his twelfth NFL game. But that is one fits, and we talk about the stuff that you remember at the end of the year. That is one where you look back, and hopefully a month from now or six weeks from now, you and I can laugh about this. We can drink some beers and chuck like, oh, man, remember when X, Y, and Z happened? But if things do go south for the silver and black, this is one of those moments, that Trayvon moment. There's a couple down in the red zone moments that we saw from the Raiders offense today where you go, that's one that they needed to have back, and it, compl- and, and it can, well, re- that remains to be seen, but it can completely change the outlook of these final six weeks for the Raiders. No, it felt like there were flashes of brilliance in this game too, mm-hmm. though. Like, you know, I, I keep thinking about some of the creative play calling we saw in the second half. And you, you think about the way Max was getting after the quarterback it, throughout the course of the game. There were moments where you looked at it and said, okay, this is, this is just one of those hiccup games. They're going to be fine. But the other thing that Eddie, like this team in this game was going to be held to a higher standard for me because they're coming off the mini bot. Like, you played on Thanksgiving, you got extra time to get everything ready, extra time to self-scout, to be creative, and to feel better coming into the game. And I know that they were decimated by injuries. I know how many players we were missing that matter and, and have been all year and, and how dinged up the team got throughout the course of the game. But, man, if I'm a Washington football team fan, I'm saying the same thing, and they managed to win this football game. Like, they 
found a way to win. You know, and that's that's so funny too, Fitz, because I think that's the perfect kind of encapsulation of today and all of its weirdness, right? Where you do look and objectively there's positives. The way Hunter Renfro played, a positive. The way that I think Max and Unique got up to the quarterback, a positive. Denzel Perryman, again, a man possessed, a positive. And so you look and you're like, okay, well, how did we get to this point? How did, I mean, look, you take away that first drive of the evening or afternoon, I guess, for the Washington football team, the defense as a whole, a net positive. So you are looking around, you're like, I don't really know how we got here. And I, I think you get there and the easy answer is fits. It's a game of once again missed opportunities. It's a game of settling for three instead of getting six. It's one of those weird ones where you said it perfectly. You look back at the end of this year and you're going to scratch your head and go, the Raiders should have had that one. I'm not quite sure how they didn't get it. And look, you bring up a great point as well with all the injuries. You're down Darren Waller. Kenyon Drake goes out early. Deshaun Jackson. Perry missed a bunch of the game. Perry misses a bunch of the game. Deshaun Jackson, clearly not 100%. So if you're Derek Carr, you're looking around, you're like, okay, a lot of my boys aren't out here, but you still got to find a way somehow, some way to generate points. And unfortunately, the Raiders just couldn't do that this afternoon. Well, and and largely part of that lies at the feet of of Derek Carr. Somebody you know that I've, I've been very positive about most of the time on this show. And today, I mean, Greg Olson on the broadcast uh, pointed out several times in the beginning where Deshaun was open and it just wasn't seen. And that's disturbing when you've got a quarterback that's been playing so well, throwing the ball down the field. And then you look at the two-point conversion play. I mean, this game was defined by the two-point conversion attempt. Edwards was open for it. And it was it's a tough throw. Nothing about it was easy, but it's the sort of throw we're used to seeing Carr find a way to make to the Darren Wallers of the world, to the Hunter Renfros of the world. Mm-hmm. He didn't make that throw to Edwards. And as a result, this becomes a 17-15 game because the two-point conversion went awry. Otherwise, they're not playing for the winning field goal at the end. They're pay- playing for the tying field goal, and that's much different. Yeah, and look, and we talked about I just want to real quick give a little bit of love to Greg Olson because we listed out all these things that Ole did not have his disposal today. A healthy Deshaun Jackson, Darren Waller, Jalen Richard doesn't even go, Kenyon Drake ends up missing this game. And we saw, for a little bit, we saw some incredibly creative play calling from Ole. And take out the fact that it's my guy, Marcus Mariota, who was at the helm for most of this. But you saw really Ole adjust mid-game to be like, okay, look, whatever we're doing right now isn't working. For whatever reason, if it's the personnel, it's what, if it's what Washington's doing, it's not working. Let's mix it up. Let's be willing to change it and get a little funky. And give him credit for being malleable enough to do that and for getting points on the board. But that, like to your point earlier, it's like, Let's see a little bit more of that, right? It's fun. It's exciting. It's at this point what this offense needs to do to generate points. So you see that as a positive, but I wonder if we can get a little bit more of that as we go through these last six weeks here. I mean, we need to, but then the other side of it is, man, think back, and I know this feels like it was a year ago now, but remember the first four or five weeks of the season when the easy thing like third and six was laughable? You're like, oh, we got this. I mean, there's absolutely no issue now. Now third in anything, and you're like, oh, God, just don't pump ball. If we could only keep the ball. Like, the the belief even we have watching the offense is so different. Like, it went from feeling like the offense could get anything done to feeling now like Olsen has to be particularly creative to manufacture offense. And I don't know what fixes that. Like, there are still brands on this offensive side of the ball that play well enough. Like, Derek Carr is still a, a very good quarterback with very good running backs around him, with – at least a couple of wide receivers that are good. And Foster Moreau is supposed to be a very good, albeit backup tight end. Like why are we at this spot now where we're looking around and everything we try to accomplish offensively looks difficult. And even pre-snap 
watching Carr try and line guys up the right way. It's not happening. Like guys don't even seem to know where to be positioned before the snap. So I'm looking at an offense that's completely lost its mojo. And that's the number one thing that has to come back. Like they have to, they have to feel like they got a little bit of swag today. They had none. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a, I think it's a fair assessment of where we were this afternoon, but I think I go into this last, well, I guess technically five weeks now, but I think I, I probably enter it with maybe a little bit more optimism than you do just because of all the guys that we listed a second ago. You're down Darren today. You're down Jalen today. Last minute, right? Jalen was entered the COVID protocol this morning. So I imagine that throws a big wrench in what you're trying to do offensively. So you're down Jalen. Kenyon Drake gets hurt. We're keeping our fingers crossed that it's not too serious for him. I will have to be in wait and see mode there. But Deshaun isn't fully healthy. So if these guys can get some get, get guys back on the field, if the Raiders can get a few more of those playmakers, I, I don't think we can look at today, Fitz. I don't think we can look at it as part of the larger pattern. I think today is a bit of – it's got to live in its own world. Was it ugly? Was it not super in sync? Was it disjointed? Yes, yes, and yes. But you all of a sudden add, you add some of these pieces back, and I think you have a chance over this final month and a half to get things back going in the right way. Now, a lot of that is going to fall, like you said, at the feet of Derek Carr and Derek getting these guys to where they need to be. Now, obviously, Derek is not a doctor. He cannot magically wish Darren Waller back on the field as much as I'm sure he would like to, and I would like the same thing. But if you can get your franchise quarterback, if you can get him in the ear of these guys and say, hey, we still at 6-6, six and six, and I know it doesn't feel very fun and happy and optimistic right now, but the Raiders still have a lot of football left. We were talking about it earlier. It's incredible with this new 17th game. The Raiders have over a month of meaningful football left. And today, as disappointing as it was, not a divisional game, not an AFC game. So you look at it that way. Now you go into Kansas City next week, Fitz, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, this one means a lot. But if you can get guys to where they need to be, I, I guess I'm going a long-winded way of saying I don't feel as doom and gloomy as I anticipated. I certainly don't feel good, but I don't feel as kind of down on my luck as the, for this team as, as maybe I thought I'd, I would maybe two hours, three hours ago. So there's an important thing to note here. There's two different conversations that happen in the world. Is this a playoff team in the fact of like, is this a good football team or is this a, a team that can make the playoffs? Those are two very different conversations some years, right? Like, are the Raiders good versus can the Raiders make the playoffs? I'm not sure today that the Raiders look like a good football team. I think we can all agree that it looked bad, but it's also the same team that a week and a half ago looked like world beaters against the Cowboys team that is going to be in the playoffs. So if the goal is get to the playoffs and let's see what can happen, which this year particularly should be the goal. Like mm -hmm. in my mind, when we've seen the good of the Raiders, the good of the Raiders can take on anybody. The nice news is if they are a playoff team, it's in their hands. Like, that's the thing. Everybody keeps looking at the standings. I would tell you, stop looking at the standings and look at the schedule because they got the Chiefs, the Browns, the Broncos, the Colts, and the Chargers. They got five teams right now that are all clumped around them in this entirety of a playoff race. And everybody is going to have to beat up on everybody to get there. If the Raiders want to make the playoffs, have they gotten rid of their wiggle room? Probably. But realistically, can they play their way in? Absolutely. With that schedule, if they win four of the, the last five games, they're likely going to be a playoff team. If they win three of the last five games, then they're going to need some help. That's the world I think that was created today. But when you have all AFC matchups left against all teams that are going to the playoffs, I guess I would say, like, if we think the Raiders should go to the playoffs, then they should be able to win these types of playoff caliber games. Yeah, and I'm with you. And look, 
Is today going to be fun? No. Will tomorrow be fun? No, tomorrow will not be fun either. Will it kind of sting until we get into Wednesday and we really shift our focus to the Kansas City Chiefs? Absolutely. But I, I just I think about this, Fitz, and, it, and it's a story that you and I have told a handful, I mean, really consistently, I guess, over the past six, eight, ten weeks. But I'm still encouraged by the fact that this defense, you take away that opening drive, I mean, Taylor Heineke did nothing. And look, Taylor Heineke, God bless him, is not the second coming of Tom Brady. But all the same, he's an NFL quarterback. He is a starting quarterback in this league. And they essentially made him a bit of a non-factor. Now, you look at the, at the running game for the Washington football team. They go 30 times, 112 yards. And Greg Olson, I think, brought up a great point on the broadcast. And they were talking about the Washington football team. God, and it's so hard to keep saying that over and over and over, isn't yeah. it? The WFT. But what they, what they want to do is... They said Ron Rivera doesn't really care about the rushing numbers. He wants to run the ball when you know he's going to run the ball and he can still do it. And really, at the end of the game, in that fourth quarter, that is exactly what they did. So the Raiders' defense did did kind of let up in that regard. But I think overall, once again, Fitz, they played pretty well, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, start looking at the guys on this defense and ask yourself where the problems are and where the solutions are, right? Like, so you mentioned earlier Max and Yannick. We know that this organization, should they choose to, is going to have two great edge rushers for the next six, seven years, should they choose to. Like, the path is there. You got two young guys that can rush the hell out of the passer. Nate Hobbs finally gets that first pick, right? I think we all sort of had a glory, glory, hallelujah moment for that. Uh, Casey Hayward almost got that pick. And now Casey, not a young guy, but Hobbs is a young guy that somebody can build around. Maring is somebody that has played well. He's had some downs in the last few weeks. I think we've seen a little bit of the, the rookie wall that we hear so much about. For the NFL schedule, I think he started to hit it a little bit. He's going to have to find the next gear. He's going to regret not getting that pick six. But he still looks like he has the opportunity to be a very good player. You start looking across the board there, you've got guys that you're you're not only saying, hey, can they play well this year? You've got foundational building blocks for the next several years. You know, Mullen's going to likely come back, we hope, for the Kansas City game. That's mm-hmm. another young piece that comes back. I keep looking at this defense, and I, I don't care about stats. I, I, the one thing that drives me crazy about the stats that they show and they put up the defensive stats on the broadcast today it's so misleading with this Gus Bradley defense like the smartest thing that Greg Olson told us in breaking down the game is Gus Bradley is perfectly comfortable letting you get yards he just doesn't want you to get first downs so what do we judge this defense on to me I judge the defense on the fact that they held Washington to 17 points seven points out of the gate on a drive that was regrettable it took the Raiders a second to get going the rest of the game 10 points if you go after the first drive of the game and you, you give up 10 points in modern football, you should win that football game. I think the defense is, is a, a special thing that's happening right, right now because they're playing well enough to win right now, but young guys are getting better. They can be part of the future for the, the, the foreseeable future moving forward. And, and a big shout out to Gus Bradley for making those aforementioned adjustments that you, that you just said. Because after that first drive, right, touchdown drive that looks very, very easy for the Washington football team. But after that, their possessions, punt, 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 touchdown, intercept. I mean, like, you can't, you can't do any better in the modern version of the NFL than that, right? They scored a touchdown with 521 left in the first quarter is when the first touchdown came. They did not score another touchdown again until 452 left in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's it's not bad. Not bad for guessing size. With this offensive way played against Dallas, by the time we get to that, it's it's a 35 to 7 game, and it's not a big deal, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's the difference we're talking about here. By the way, let me let me give two two guys that had a couple of special moments. Uh, shout out to Kuntz getting his first sack, right? Uh, but also a, a guy that I didn't think we could rely on at all this year, and I saw him on the field, and I immediately thought, oh man, this is not going to go well. 
Divine Diablo came in, and he's somebody that when he got in, what was it, about a month ago he got in the game, and they immediately started picking on him, and he was not ready for it. Divine played well. He had one completion over his head. He was too shallow in coverage. Sure, he'll fix that. But for a kid that was expected to only be a special teams contributor to come in and have to do what he did out of the gate when they lost Perryman, I thought we got some actually, we got some strong snaps out of him. Uh, 10 tackles for Mr. Diablo and then adding one on special teams just for good measure. The only Raider today, Fitz, who had more tackles than Divine is Mr. Perryman, who seems to lead the team in tackles and leads the league in tackles and leads everyone in tackles and everything, everything. But, I mean, to your point, though, you get... We've asked so much. We've wanted to see these young guys for the past, what, two, two and a half months? And we saw them today. I mean, Divine Diablo, clearly his best day at the office. Malcolm Coons, congratulations, like you said, on on his first sack. So we talk about this defense, and we talk about the building blocks, and we talk about the net positives, like the... Used to, I used to play this game with uh, with our pal Raider Vito all the time, and he goes, it's a simple game, but it's, it's so good for fodder for conversation. Thumbs up or thumbs down, right? So Divine Diablo today, thumbs up. Malcolm Coons, thumbs up. Denzel Perryman, thumbs up. Nate Hobbs, thumbs up. Like you're All of a sudden, you're going down, and it is a lot of thumbs up, and it's, it's a nice mix between guys that have been there, done that, and then this new wave, this next generation of Raiders defenders that we need to see play, and we need to see them play meaningful snaps, very much like we saw Divine today. So, like I said, I, I came in here, Fitz, and I'm doing it to myself. There's got to be some sort of term for this. But I came in here feeling very doomy and gloomy, but all of a sudden I'm like, eh, it's not that bad, right? You know, we'll be okay. I mean, there's plenty of football left. Tons. Right about that, and Tons. and I think we're also in this process really learning who Coach Basaccia is, and mm-hmm. that uh, is not like to me. Coach Basaccia is a conservative coach. It is methodology that is going to take the points when the points are there to be had. We saw a couple of opportunities there where maybe he might. I thought, uh, you know, when they were in plus territory, they might go for it on fourth and three. Instead, they punted. He is willing to play the field position game against Washington all day, every day, which speaks to his defense. And also, you and I were texting about this. Near the end of the game, the Raiders get the ball after the interception. They drove down like they were milking the clock. And Mm -hmm. I was stunned to see that because what I thought is, man, the defense looked a little gassed the last couple of series. Maybe you want to give yourself time to give an answer to this. But obviously, Bisaccia took a much different approach of we're going to take the clock all the way down we're going to let the defense rest and we're going to let our defense win the football game speaks to what he believes in on the field, but also speaks to who he is as a coach. Like we're figuring out that coach is, is going to be very formulaic in old school football and finding ways to win that way, which is, which is different than some coaches approach it. So I think that was a unique part of what we learned even in the fourth quarter of this game. You know, and this is, I don't know. I, I'm sure you don't know that this answer off the top of your head. Cause I certainly don't, but I'm looking at time of possession today fits the Washington football team wins time of possession 33-26, to 26, and that's kind of the name of their game. But I'm thinking, when is the last time the Raiders won time of possession? And, and I know that it's kind of one of those stats that op- that's open for interpretation in the modern NFL, but I am kind of genuinely curious with the last time we saw a Raiders team win time of possession and, and win it really kind of convincingly. I don't remember. I mean, mm-hmm. that has been... Golly, that's ages, man. I, I, I genuinely don't remember the last time they won time of possession. Like, that that feels like such a far lifetime away. There had to be some time, what, what the first Gruden, like, what are we talking, early 2000s? I mean, Oof. my God, I, I can't remember it. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while. And I think a lot of that, too, especially this year, and as you kind of focus in on today, Fitz, I think a lot of it is because, look, 
you don't have a running game or you don't have a running game that's operating at full capacity, right? Where Jalen, we talked about Jalen, he enters the COVID protocol literally this morning. Josh is out there. It does not look like Josh is clearly 100%. Kenyon Drake, unfortunately, goes out early. Peyton Barber doesn't get a carry. So you're looking at the rushing numbers, and Josh is your rushing leader, 13 carries, 52 yards with a touchdown, one nice 15-yard scamper. But your second leading rusher is Derek Carr. I understand that we like to get Derek involved in the running game. We want to, and look, I've been the biggest guy. Like, let's see Derek flash that athleticism, use the legs. But we can't exist in a, in a meaningful world, Fitz, where Derek is your second leading rusher. Yeah, and and you know the funny thing is we sit here and say we want to see more athleticism from Derek, and then he does that, and I mean it worked. Obviously, he was able to extend some plays, extend some drives. But man, there were just so many times where I felt like the offense was lost and you and I've talked about that before like identity what are they going for how are they doing it you know that th- there's a spot tonight where I felt like several times or today I should say several times you're watching Derek Carr and he's dropping back and it's just either it was predetermined he was getting the ball out of his hand, hand right away or he looked lost on where he wanted to go with football I think that speaks to not really knowing his receivers as well like we just we want to make it all sunshine and roses that Jackson has come in and everything's mm-hmm. going to be fine if that's the, like, we can't talk out of both sides of our mouth. I can't sit here and tell you next fall, oh my God, how cool is it that Carr got all the receivers together and they spent all spring throwing in the park in Vegas because we do that story every year. I can't sit here out of one side of my mouth and tell you that that has meaning and then be like, oh, well, now that these two have been thrown together for 10 days, they're going to be like, it just doesn't work that way. And I, I think you can feel a little bit of lack of anticipation for where guys were going to be from Carr. Yeah, and just real quick, not to go on a, on a quick aside, Fitz, but this is just came through as you were talking. Uh, Josh Jacobs just told him, just just went to the podium and said that Kenyon Drake told him that his ankles broke. Quote, it's broke when he went down with an ankle injury, talking about Drake in the first half. Quote, he's had significant injuries in the past, Jacob said, as he got choked up a little bit. So now it looks like all of a sudden we're not, and I think this was, you and I were certainly not doctors, but you see the way that Kenyon went down, the car comes off. So I think the natural assumption is, hey, we're not going to see him for a little bit. We might not see him for the rest of 2021. So now if you're Greg Olson, if you're Derek Carr, if you're this running back room, how do you pivot? Because Josh is going to need a little bit of help. He's going to need a breather as we go through this final five weeks. So is it is do we get more of Peyton Barber? Does Jalen, hopefully everything with him health-wise, first and foremost, is okay, and he comes back next week? But what is the answer now? Do you have to – do you think of going out into the veteran free agent running back pool and doing something there? Because it feels like a move has to be made. Yeah, they're going to have to make a move of some sort. And I think part one is that it, health aside – if Jalen Rashard is feeling great, which is the most important thing, he's going to get a heavier workload. Yeah. They're still going to have to find somebody else. Like what we've seen from so many teams is they want to take a flyer on an Adrian Peterson. That doesn't help this team. Uh, you know, Kenyon, Kenyon Drake fills a very specific need for this team. So they're going to have to find that production somewhere else. You know, I think one thing we have to remember is like, what's the point of a running play so often? There's a couple of points to it, but one, if you're trying to pick up that three or four yards and just move the ball forward, the Raiders were doing that today with quick outs, quick receiver screens. I mean, they were finding a quick way to get the, the ball out of car's hand to simulate what the running game is supposed to do. I don't think they need a power back to get three yards. They need a back out of the backfield. that can continue to help, but they also need somebody given the way this offensive line has played at times, they need a champion at blitz pickup. And that's not easy to find. I mean, that's just, I don't think that just sits around and exists. So, you know, Jalen Richard is part of the answer, presuming he's healthy for the COVID stuff. 
but he's going to get a massive amount of run, I think, realistically, just because they trust him so much in pass pro. And the good news is, too, and look, obviously no one is going to say, hey, the Kenyon Drake situation is a net positive, right? I mean, Kenyon an incredibly talented, versatile, athletic, dynamic piece of this offense. But we've heard it from Mike Mayock. We've heard it from the head coach that Jalen is his deal is he's an incredible at blitz pickup. He's incredible on third down. So to your point, do you give him a little bit more? Yes. Now is the time for Jalen to feast a little bit more, and he's going to have to, and, and give him credit because in his career as a Raider, he's had these moments come up where they say, hey, Jalen, we need a really good month from you. We need you to do your normal thing on third down. We want you to be good there, but we need, we're need we going to need a little bit more, bud, and give him credit because time after time, historically speaking, he has risen to that challenge and accepted what is uh, what has kind of come his way. And if this team wants to get back on track over the next five weeks, he's going to have to step up along with a lot of guys in this offense. I mean, with the Chiefs coming up particularly, yeah. I mean, we all know what just happened a couple of weeks ago. We all, we all remember mm-hmm. it. This is a Raiders team now. Like, I can't believe I'm saying this. Like, so different than where we were just a month ago, right? Like I'm hope, hopeful the Waller's back, but who are your what who's your go-to? Like you need offense. Who are the go-to guys? You know Hunter Renfro is going to get fed. You know that's going to be his. But they even said on the broadcast tonight smartly, somebody else has got to step up. I don't think it's that simple, you know. So like there, there's so many different elements where you heard the uh, commentator Greg Olson, not the coach Greg Olson tonight talking at one point about, well, Carr just needs to move the ball further down the field. But even then he was like, but nobody's open and the line's having a hard time giving him the time. So like, it's just so difficult because there are times that guys flash, but this team's going to have to figure out in the next six days, you know, before Sunday, this team's going to have to figure out who the other people are that they can rely on for offense. I don't think there's an easy answer to that, but they got to find one if you want to hang out with Kansas City. Yeah, and look, there there is no easy answer, but I think the easiest answer to look at is you keep your fingers crossed that big number 83 is back to as close to 100% as he can be because he is one of the rare guys in the NFL fits where he completely changes what you want to do offensively, right? And Hunter Renfro, another really good day at the office today, nine catches, 102 yards. So if you can get Hunter working, if you can let him feed off of Darren, if what Darren and, and those guys can do can open up the run game with players, TBD, and then you can get Deshaun going a little bit. And I think you brought up a great point earlier, right? And we talked about this a few weeks ago, the last time you were here, where I think all of us kind of did a disservice to ourselves and to Deshaun in assuming that he was going to waltz in here, show up on a Tuesday, and then be all pro Deshaun Jackson 96 hours later. It is a process, and we have heard from so many guys about how complicated, how intricate this Raiders offensive playbook can be. And so, look, I think it's it's clear to see, you look at the injury report this week, Deshaun is not 100%. So if he's not at his best and he still is not is kind of getting up to speed with what Derek likes, what Ole likes, like it's, it's, it's a recipe for not having him out there as much as – I guess it's a recipe for what we saw today where he wasn't out there as much as we might have anticipated that he would be. But this is still a team – you know, like we can't get caught prisoner of the moment. And that's, sure. I, I feel like you and I talk about this every week, but the one thing that I think is funny and they continually point out, nobody in the NFL has more big yardage plays this year I, than the Las Vegas Raiders. Right. So we know that this team can and does not just can does push the ball down the field. Part of the way that this team pushes down the field. And I need everybody to really hear this and think about this. Like 
it's a chess match when you're playing football, right? And everybody I talk to at Bristol reminds me of this. So I'll use the very beginning of the game as an example. There were three or four plays in a, in a row where they were immediately, the minute Carr got the ball, he threw the ball out to a wide receiver that was set up for a little screen. Went for three yards, two yards, three yards. One, a couple of them went for a loss, right? And everybody looks at it and says, oh my God, why are we running the same play? Flash forward to the fourth down or to the fourth quarter, same exact formation, Everybody goes to block, Renfro sneaks out, and all of a sudden that play that everybody's been suckered into is now a 25-yard gain. That's the way Gruden has always built his offense. He's going to trick you, and I know this is now Olsen's offense, but it's still the tentacles of Gruden. He's going to run the same types of formations enough time that eventually the defense thinks they know what what's coming, and that's when you hit them with something different. It's a long play. Like Gruden is looking at the game, his offense, in long play, and that's still a part of this offense. So – I think we all need to be a little bit more patient with the why is the ball not going down the field because there are so many variables in the way this offense is built to set that up. That being said, we know it can happen. And every single week we see it in the fourth quarter, it starts to open up. Just like Washington in the fourth mm -hmm. quarter wears you down, we open up in the fourth quarter. So that needs to still be part of the game plan against Kansas City because otherwise if you're just coming out and saying, hey, we're going to absolutely try and heave the ball down the field every time, Defenses adjust to that. That's what Washington adjusted to today, and it wasn't there. And Fitz, look, you're pre you're preaching the choir, right? Where I think the fact that we need to preach patience, not only within the game, but over the course of a duration of a season. But if there's one thing, Fitz, that I know that fans love, that they really lock in on, it's patience, right? Like every yeah, time okay. you and I are like, hey, guys, let's, let's relax. No, we can't relax. We can't relax. What are you doing? We can't do it. Everything's gone. We're gone. Blah, 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 blah. It's tough, man, but I, I'm with you. And I think not being, like you said, being a prisoner of the moment, because look, today was a bummer, right? Today's does not feel good. Tomorrow's not going to feel good, you know, either. But understanding that, hey, this is a team that the Raiders on paper, and it's, you know, quote on paper, should have beat, but they walked into Allegiant not at full strength. And unfortunately, give the Washington football team credit because they earned a win. They did, they did just enough to come away with a win. But they did, like I said, they, that enough was just enough. And unfortunately, the Raiders fall to 500. Now a very, very daunting task, a tough task going into Kansas City just seven days from now to take on uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. But Fitz, before we get out of here, I have to bring up one thing that did give me joy today. And I had a joyful morning. I went on a lovely walk. It's a beautiful day here in Las Vegas. I took the dog out. I got my steps in. I was feeling good. And then as I'm driving to the stadium, or actually... Not, I should say right before I got in the car, because don't text and drive, don't tweet and drive, all that good stuff. As I got into the car, you know, I'm like everyone else checking Twitter, and I saw, and I don't want to blow you up too bad, just a beautiful rendition of the autumn wind from one Mr. Jason Fitz. Can we get a little a little backstory on, on how this came to be? And for those who haven't seen it, shameless plugler, go on over to the Raiders Twitter because it's there in all of its uh, fantastic glory. There is, by the way, like the inner school kid in me, like there's nothing cooler than seeing my favorite football team that I've been rooting for my entire life tweet out something I did. Like there's just, that is never going to get old to me. I don't give a damn what anybody says. I always look at that. And I'm like, holy cow. So that was really cool. I, you know, I, I hang out with Raider Nation Radio every week. And, uh, you know, I, I hang out with Clay uh, Baker every morning, uh, every Tuesday morning. And, but last week it was a different day. So I was talking to Hondo. Uh, Carpenter was sitting in and Hondo said, look, a fan came up to him at, at Allegiant and said, hey, next time you talk to Fitz, tell him, 
to do an autumn wind on the autumn wind on fiddle and post it. And I was like, all right. So I had a, a show on Sunday morning for the college football playoff rankings uh, that I had to do at ESPN. So I went to one of the graphics people and said, Hey, can you put a big Raiders logo behind me? I'm going to bring in a fiddle. I got to play something. And so I just stood in the studio of ESPN and had somebody record me playing a, a little version of it that I put together. And I sent it to clay saying like, Hey, I told you I'd do it. I didn't know he was going to pop it up. So like two seconds later, I look at my Twitter and I'm like, what is blowing up here? And, uh, it's awesome. They, they've had a lot of, I think we're at like 90,000 people have watched it on the Raider Nation radio Twitter feed and uh, the Vegas uh, Raiders uh, Twitter feed has put it out there and gotten a bunch of views. And it's always cool to be like the amount of love that Raider Nation gives is one of the best parts about being part of this fan base. And uh, yeah, it's really cool to like, you know, pick up the fiddle and play a little bit. You know, if it had resulted in a win, I'd do it every week, but it didn't. All right. It didn't, Eddie. So, you know, we'll see now. I got a lot of credit to give around. One, credit to you for just being a musician extraordinaire. But I also give a little bit of love to our guy, Matt, because as he was getting ready to tweet it out, Matt is very detail-oriented. And you got to be detail-oriented if you're in the social game, right, Fitz? Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah. he stops, so he's you know putting everything together on his laptop, and he goes, hang on, real quick. He calls me over, he goes, I just want to confirm, this is a fiddle, not a violin, right? And I said, I'm 99.5% sure that it's a fiddle, but he's like, so are you confident with fiddle? I said, yeah, let's go. It's a fiddle. Because there is a difference, right? No. No? Same instrument. What? Everything's the same. What? It's just what you call it. Yeah, it's the same thing. Everything's the same. It's just like, if you play country music, like, so when I was a little kid, if you'd have told me I played the fiddle as a little violinist, I'd have been like, I do not play the fiddle. I play the violin, good sir. And then, you know, as a touring country musician, I was like, I don't play the fiddle. So, like, They're the it same? all depends on who's playing the bill. Yeah, same exact instrument. There's no difference. The instrument's the same if you're playing Vivaldi or the band pair. That's I, the weirdest quote that has ever been on this podcast, by the way. Dude, I, I'm like genuinely, I feel rather silly right now because I like to think of myself as a learned gentleman. I think of myself as a gentleman and a scholar. And I had no idea that I, I completely thought the, they were two separate worlds, two separate disciplines, but I am a buffoon, Fitz. So I learned something. No, today. it is the most popular question I get as a really? violinist. The number one question is, what's the difference between a violin and a fiddle? And I always tell people the same thing. Who's paying the bill? Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, look at that. You're like, yeah, you know, I have come out of the darkness a little bit. I'm not fully out of there. I'm, I'm probably like, I, let's say I'm, I'm leasing in the darkness right now. Like I haven't bought property, but uh, I have a, you know, I got an address there if need be. I get my mail look, sent I, to the darkness. I, the real question is, I heard on the broadcast, they said something about Rev Run. Was uh, was did we have a little Run DMC halftime action? Yeah, Rev Run, uh, Rev Run in the house. So unfortunately, and I'll I'll have to go back and shameless plug. Head on over to uh, the Raiders YouTube to check that out later because when we do the show from here back at the Twitch lines for home games, I leave at the two minute warning. So of the first half, so two minute warning hits. I head to my car. I listen to usually like the last three plays, courtesy of Lincoln and, and Brent Musburger. And then I'm here by the time because it's very close to the stadium. I'm here and I watch the second half on the monitor. So I did not see the good reverend doing his thing live, but I did see in the monitors and it, it looked, it looked very cool, man. Very cool. I just think, you know, maybe next time the good reverend needs like a, you know, fiddle player to like, you know, go to the side and just kind of rock out with a good reverend on our, on our way out because we've completely Shameless gone off the play. rails. Most random collab you've had. Um, wow. Uh, well, that's a really interesting question. So I'm just trying to think of what would be, I've done some string arrangements for Kanye back before Kanye and Kanye was as, as you know, polarizing as he is now. Sure. Uh, so that was cool. Uh, my favorite record I'm on that most people wouldn't expect is the mad season matchbox 20 record. 
uh, I'm in the orchestra on that record. So that's one of my, uh, one of the records that's usually up on the wall behind me. So that one's very, very, very random. So, you know, Matchbox 20 and Kanye, I think are the two, the two top answers on that. Also did a little thing, like a tiny project with Nicki Minaj, but it was, it was, it never got released and I don't think it really counts. Oh no. So that's, that's one that's just living in the vault somewhere. Yeah, so we're somebody, gonna have to, we're gonna like have some to record label somewhere like has it and is just going <laughs> to let it sit on the shelf and mold. And then years later, they'll be like, why does this exist? I don't know either. <laughs> oh, Fitz, I missed you. I missed you. On our way out, what do the Raiders have to do in between now and Sunday to have a chance in Kansas City to get this thing back on track? Perryman needs to get healthy. I, I, I think if you want to beat Kansas City, you need your best player. Uh, and right now, he is one of the three or four best players on this team. You need all of your best players to be as available as possible. I think if the defense is healthy, I think that the last game was a bit of an aberration. So I think that the defense being healthy, they'll put up a more competitive number. I still believe that this offense can be what this offense was against Cowboys. So I I trust in that. Taking on the Chiefs, man, that is a tough task if you're not 100% defensively. Yeah, I agree with you. The improvement is in the pudding, right, when you look at this offense. We're not 10 days ago we were talking about they're back, they're fully back, Derek's going for 400, the run game is doing its thing. So – Let's not be a prisoner of the moment. Let's relax. Let's kind of understand that today was not this team's best day, but there will be better days over the last five weeks here. So, Freddie Pascal, my man Jason Fitz, Ray on the ones and twos, Alexandra and everyone back in the control room, and our entire collaborative collection of folks here at Silverman Black Productions. Thank you for hanging out with us, and we will catch you next week, same time, same place, hopefully with a little more spirit, a little more positivity for our usual edition of the fifth quarter. Thank you for listening to The Fifth Quarter, presented by Twitch. Make sure to download the Raiders mobile app, and we'll see you next week.